0: Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our fall series, Created, Made for More, focusing our hearts toward biblical manhood and womanhood. God's beautiful design will lead us toward the flourishing He intends for. almost done with our series called Created, Made for More. And if you haven't been with us, this is week nine, if you haven't been with us the last several weeks, I would encourage you to go and listen to um, all of the sermons up till today because you might hear something I say today and it totally get twisted in your mind if you don't understand what we've been talking about Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a recap this morning, but I would encourage you, if something's confusing, not setting right, to go back and listen uh, to the entirety of the series. I promise the Word of God will bless you and grow you, which is why we're in it. So turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to be in verses 1 and 2. The last couple weeks, especially last week, very heavy week, um, talking about the hurdles that women, that the sin of women typically fall into. Uh, We kind of gave it the word buckets. When we talked about men, we talked about those buckets in terms of these buckets being the sins of man will typically fall into one of these buckets, and those buckets being selfish passivity, and selfish aggression. So where you see a man punting and laying back and not leaning in, a guy who uh, is lazy, a guy who is not um, sacrificially loving or uh, not listening to his family, he's being passive. He's being selfishly passive. And where You see men trying to lord over and dominate with um, anger. That's where we see selfish aggression. Most of the sinfulness of men fall into one of those two buckets. Now, just last week, we talked about the two buckets that most of the sin women wrestle with fall into, and we found it straight from Scripture. And that's one of the reasons I want you to turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. Um, If you don't have a Bible today, I want to send one to you because what we're pulling is straight from the Word of God. Now, we've also seen that, as in Romans, where Paul says that even the world, people who don't um, recognize God would agree with most of the things we're saying. Because they see it in and around them. Um, But what they don't know is they're agreeing with God's Word. So we want you to see that everything comes from God's Word. Those two buckets for women that most of their wrestlings and sin come from, we talked about were comparison and perfectionism. Comparison and perfectionism we tore into Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, uh, actually verse 6, where it says that um, the breakdown um, that happens to men and women comes as a result of sin. And we found that the way sin operates is this. um, Sin brings with it disordered desires. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 16, we see that, uh, actually I'll turn there and read it to you. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 says this. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains and you will bear children with painful effort. And here, watch this. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. You see, right off the bat, one of the results of sin is disordered desires. That when we in our lives, and it particularly for women in the areas of comparison and perfectionism, um, they wound and take and pull and weigh down the female heart, the woman's heart. Uh, James 1, 14 and 15, we saw that when desires are elevated, sometimes good things are elevated above where they need to be and elevated above God, they become sinful and we become enslaved to them. Because at the bottom line, whatever is ultimate to you is going to rule you whatever is ultimate to you will rule you and you'll be enslaved to it. Um, uh, we said that the two buckets for um, our sisters in Christ comparison uh, we defined as disordered the disorder disordered desire for approval and validation. You see what what comparison is is competition. Um, comparing and competing, for identity. Ladies, you know you've experienced it, and guys have experienced it to a point as well. This is not to exclude guys. As much as it is, it is more prevalent in our sisters. You go through Instagram, you go through TikTok, you go through that fitness magazine, and all you find yourself doing is is sliding down a very slippery slope of comparing yourself, and all of a sudden, is fitness a bad thing? No. But when elevated above God, because of a veneer or a picture you're trying to build of yourself um, that is not true to yourself, is um, is going to eventually become sinful. Am I saying that exercise is sinful? No. But when elevated desires overtake, disordered desires will lead us to a sinful life, um, comparison Pulls you away from your biblical identity. And we said that an untrue image of oneself will always lead to insecurity and discontentment. Man, we want our women to feel secure and content in who God created them to be. And we said that that insecurity is fleshed out in men physically. Physically. Like we're going to checkmate somebody, but for women, they use their words. And uh, we kind of peeled apart how um, women are so good at using their words to cut and dig. And some of you today have been on the bad end of that. So where men will physically try and dominate, um, women will, in comparison, spiral down into gossip, which God hates. And then we looked at perfectionism. Perfectionism, the disordered desire for righteousness and perfection apart from Christ. Um, Let me read you this quote from The Atlantic because we not only have pulled from Scripture, but we've looked at secular sources that do not recognize God, and they agree with what we're saying here. Listen to this. The Atlantic article closing the confidence gap says this, Underqualified and underprepared men don't think twice about leaning in overqualified and overprepared too many women still hold back women feel confident only when they are perfect or practically perfect study after study has shown that perfectionism is a is largely a female issue one that extends through women's entire lives we don't answer questions until we are totally sure of the answer, we don't submit a report until we've edited it ad nauseum, and we don't sign up for a triathlon unless we know that we are faster and fitter than is required. We fixate on performance at home, at school, at work, at yoga class, even on vacation. We obsess as mothers, as wives, as sisters, as friends, as cooks, and as athletes perfectionism is a female sport and what we tried to relieve from our women yet last Sunday was that perfection is not achievable on this side of glory and I can guarantee you that perfection is not achievable apart from Christ Christ is the perfection that we desire. We've talked about mommy guilt, feelings of mom that moms feel to have perfect kids and, and make them be godly, and that is just not possible. You can't make your kids be godly, godly and you're going to fail at it. And that's okay. We say this often at Transformation Church, that it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. We want to see you grow in Christ. And as we are focused on all these different things, it pulls us away and leads us into sinfulness. um, And we will always be enslaved by disordered desires. And we ended the service last week by looking at the fact that women suffer from the thought of suicide four times more often than men. So if you think this is just light duty and it's not a big deal, ladies, hear me. This is important for you to hear. And today's message speaks to how does that fix? How do we fix this? Where is the redemption? And the beautiful the beautiful news is that the same redemption we talked just a few weeks ago for men is the same redemption that it, that there is for women. And we find it here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Uh, we want you to see this in Scripture, okay, that Scripture says this. If you listen, if you go to church and you see Scripture say one thing and it's like the preacher saying another Trust the scripture, get a new preacher. That's why we always look at the scripture. Um, and not only just to read it, but we want to be read by these scriptures. Do you know what I'm saying? I want these scriptures to read me and read my heart. I just I don't want to just check a box here to read these. So um, let's read together Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore... Since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In light of all these buckets, comparison and perfectionism, I want us to take this scripture today and lay it on top. I want these scriptures to be the filter through which we see these wrestlings that we have Today, so, so we're just going to take it chunk by chunk here just for a few more minutes, um, and we're just going to take it line by line, and I'm going to get a drink of water. Um, welcome to my living room, by the way. Um, Kirsten does all the decorating here, so I take no credit for like anything at all. She, she is uh, Joanna Gaines, probably in just shorter form. Uh, she is short. She's actually smirking at me um, currently, so we'll see how this works out after the service. Um, line by line. Hebrews chapter 12, um, very first phrase here, therefore since we have also uh, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Bible reading, Bible studying 101. Whenever you see the the word, therefore, the question you have to ask yourself is, what's the therefore, therefore? Okay? Therefore always points us behind. Uh, Therefore lets us know that it is about to build a case based on what it has just said previously. So to understand the therefore and everything coming after it, we have to go back a little bit. So, um, what's the therefore, therefore? You like that? That's good. I know. Um, Let's go back to Hebrews 11 and we're going to go 32 through 35 just for a moment. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who By faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength in weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again." If there's a period right here, this would make no sense with the Christian life. There is a thought process that, um, and some people call it the prosperity gospel, some people call it other things. It's a false gospel, and it's a gospel that says, when I accept Jesus as Lord of my life, everything gets better. And look... Let me tell you, this looks good. This is this checks a lot of boxes for me. Um, quenched raging fires, escaped the edge of the sword. I mean, these are winning testimonies, victorious testimonies. And I will tell you this: there is victory to be had in the Christian life. And we have former drug addicts in our church that would tell you this story, that there is victory to be had in Jesus. However, if there's a period there then I would have to start checking myself, and I grew up in some environments that would say, oh, if your life doesn't look that, like perfection, if you're not looking like the cleavers, and you're struggling with sin, and you're, if you're having struggles, it's because your faith isn't strong enough. So if there's a period right there, it kind of screws up everything that um, my life would uh, depict of Christ. But it goes further. Watch this. Let's go back to 35. Women received their dead and raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release. So I feel like there should be a sentence there. So it goes from winning to this. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two. That's graphic. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Why is this important? Why do we want to lay this on top? In order to understand the therefore we're about to go into, we have to understand that, thank God for the griminess that came in this paragraph. It's not all Instagram on a Friday night for the Christians. When we accept Christ, it isn't all rainbows and butterflies. Did you hear the graveness? In fact, what scripture is saying here, come, follow me. There is victory to be had, but you may die because of it. We hear Jesus make the same call to the disciples. Come, take up your cross, this weapon of death, and follow me. There is in the Christian life, no matter how hard you pray, no matter, there are times that you will walk through hardship. That you may be broke, that your account might be negative. Look, I've walked this road. I've slept in an F-150 under a bridge. And I was serving the Lord faithfully. Now, many would say, oh, you know what? Uh, your faith just wasn't big enough, but the scripture would say otherwise, that all of these people, some of the warriors of the faith, men and women, were scourged and killed and sought in two and pursued, and they had to hide. This helps us redefine success. I just had a conversation with a... Um, Actually, our Director of Outreach Ian, a couple of days ago, and we were talking about how do we define success, and this redefines how we look at success in the Christian life. Success in the Christian life isn't necessarily always winning. sometimes in the Christian life, it involves joy and suffering for the cause of christ suffering when you don't understand it, suffering with what would seem no reason. And I think maybe, I think this is maybe why some of us feel so discouraged. Um, I think this is many times why some of us just quit and stop going to church because things aren't perfect all the time and so you think you're failing at this when Christ isn't after your perfection, he's after your persistence he's not after your perfection he's after your persistence he's after your commitment talk about committed These people were in bonds, stone, sawed in two, died by the sword. They were wandering around in sheepskin. And look, don't send me an email with like a picture of your Vogue catalog where somebody's wearing some sheep or goat. That's not the type of goatskin we're talking about. They're hiding in dead animal skins. It's okay to not be okay. And the reason I'm lingering here just a moment is because I want you to understand that I want us to push back against. I want us to push back against this idea that we need to pretend. This idea that we need to pretend to be perfect. That we need to pretend to match up to someone else's uh, highlight role on uh, Instagram or TikTok or Facebook. We don't need to live up to that. And we don't need to mimic and create some veneer to make us look the same. Oh, I want us to push back against pretending and owning and just say, hey, listen, I am suffering. And I promise you, in recognizing that and giving that suffering to Jesus and being committed to him through it, there's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. Let's look at 12 Um, we're going to look at 12, uh, the second half. So we understand the therefore now. And then I have just a couple other things. So we said, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses um, surrounding us, let us, here we go. Let us lay aside every hindrance. Some of your Bibles will say, wait. And the sin that so easily ensnares us. I think it's very interesting here um, that the author separates hindrance and sin, weight and sin. Uh, There are things that lead us into sin. There's a weight uh, here that uh, lays aside every hindrance um, and sin. So I'm going to ask you what's weighing you down today. What weight are you carrying? And you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying this. What are the things that lead us to sin? For instance, um, comparison we talked about leads us to gossip, slander, wounding with our words, which God hates. But those words and that gossip, that slander didn't come from it, just nowhere. It didn't come from emptiness. What fed that? Comparison. Is comparison in and of itself bad? No. But when elevated, it feeds our sin. That is the weight we're talking about. That is the weight. I'll give you a couple examples. Um, Alcohol. Uh, There is not a person that can go to Scripture and say that it is sinful for me to drink a glass of wine or a glass of bourbon. No, there is no biblical case for the sinfulness of drinking something. However, there is a difference between that and going out and getting drunk. Like there are some people that should never drink. And some of you are watching today. Because you've got a problem drinking. So alcohol in itself is not sinful, but is it wise For me to drink. It's not can I, should I drink? And so we also look at, there's nothing sinful about Instagram or TikTok or that fitness magazine. Um. But when it's leading us and you put your phone down at night from scrolling through Instagram and all of a sudden you're uh, self-deprecating and, and, and then all of a sudden you're casting shade and saying gossip and slanderous things about other people out of just a um, weight of comparison. Do you see how comparison, that weight, that hindrance can feed into sin the author here wants us to be so serious about the sin that controls us that we're willing to look for the weights that are feeding it. God wants us to take us uh, sin seriously. In fact, um, Romans goes to the point of saying we need to mortify it and put it to death. And many of you today are still trying to white-knuckle your sin and control it. God would have you put it to death. Uh, but some of you aren't ready for that conversation. Some of you aren't ready for that conversation around you need to be confessing and repenting. That confession and repentance is an active part of the Christian life. Active. It's not one time. It is active confession and repentance. We should take sin so seriously that we look at the weights that feed it. What is feeding your sinfulness? And it could be morally neutral, but it leads us to sin. Sin. He's calling us to throw that off. So why? Why should we throw off this sin? Lay aside these hindrances um, and the sin that ensnares us, enslaves us. You remember that? Disorder desires, slaving us. So that, and then it says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. We're to throw these things off so that we can run the race. That God has for us. God has a race for you to run. Hear me today. Poke yourself in the chest. Pastor Carl is talking to you. God's word is talking to you. There's a race. You're supposed to be running. But you're too weighed down and ensnared in sin. For you to run the race that God has called you to run. You've got to start throwing it off. Let's look at verse 2. How do we throw it off? How do we throw it off? Let's look at this. And I'm going to close. Running close. Verse 2. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. That's it. What you're looking at matters. It matters where your eyes are. He says right here keeping our eyes on Jesus. You remember Peter in the Bible? The reason he began to sink into the water is because he took his eyes off Jesus. And he was more focused and gained a ton of fear by looking around him. Um, So for instance, if you're a navel gazer, and you're just like, oh, you know, I'm terrible at everything. And and life is just so hard. If you're a navel gazer, you're always going to be in the dumps. We need to get our eyes up. If you're sitting with someone this morning, turn to them and say, get your eyes up. Um, Let's make sure our theology is right this morning. Uh, Here's what we need to be looking at. These two things. Let's look at these two things. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, who is the source and perfecter of our faith. Um, To be clear, Jesus is the author and founder of our faith. Um, You did not find Jesus. Jesus found you. Jesus wasn't lost trying to figure things out, and you bumped into him. You're like, "Oh, Jesus!" No, Jesus found you. Um, and can I just testify for a moment that everything in my life changed when Jesus invaded my space? Everything changed. I came alive in Christ. He didn't have to force me. He didn't have to choke hold me. He just showed me who He was. And I fell in love with him. I fell in love with Jesus because all he had to do was reveal himself to me. And when our eyes are looking to him as the author of our faith and not us trying to keep it together ourselves, let me tell you, there's freedom there. You don't have to be perfect. You're not having to worry about comparing yourself to other Christians. He's the author. And then the second thing, He who began a work will complete it. He's the perfecter of our faith. And how does he grow that faith? He grows it in a couple ways. Um, Since our faith comes from him, he he grows our faith through joy and suffering. And many of you have experienced mountaintop joy. I've experienced mountaintop joy. Joy I probably couldn't put into words. In my lifetime. But there were things I learned in the dark night of suffering and anguish that I never would have learned in joy and on the mountaintop. There were things I learned about my Savior and my healer and my comforter. There were things I learned about Him being a shelter in time of storm. There were things I learned about Him being a restorer and a healer of my emotions. There are things I learned in the night when I was crying myself to sleep that I never would have learned about Jesus had I never been through suffering. That's how He grows our faith. In the dark night of the soul, He is there. Get your eyes up. That is my exhortation to you this morning. In your comparison, in your struggling with perfectionism or selfish passivity or selfish aggression, get your eyes up. Raise your eyes, keeping your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. And what I, his word, I can confirm to you through his word is that he that began a good work and you will see it to completion. He is not done with you. When life gets tough and you're in suffering, He has not abandoned you. He is working out a type of joy and faith that will not have been wrung out otherwise. He sees you. He knows you by name. He knows the hairs on your head. Stop comparing yourself, women, to your redemption. The redemption of men has everything to do with Jesus and not your ability to do it on your own. I love the last part of the verse. It says, For the joy that lay before me endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, where He's sitting there for uh, interceding for you and I this very morning. Get your eyes up, T-Church. Get your eyes up Visitors, lift your eyes away from your suffering to the King of Glory who is walking with you, whose Holy Spirit is guiding you. Would you trust him today? Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.